Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Well, it is certainly a blessing to be uh, here and to uh, see so many of y'all uh, here this morning. I, I know that uh, it's that time of the semester uh, where you're starting to question your life choices. And, and so I'm grateful that, that this is uh, still a life choice for you uh, to come and gather together and worship our great God and our Savior. Uh, the Lord is indeed doing amazing things at Southeastern. And we don't say that in order to pat ourselves on the back. We don't say that in order to toot our own horns. We say that really to give all the glory and honor to Christ, uh, that he still cares about his gospel, that he still has people uh, that he is mighty to save, and that he is still raising up men and women like you to go and get them for his great glory and for his namesake. So I'm so grateful to be here at Southeastern, so grateful to be able to uh, serve with you and to seek his face with you uh, and, to, uh, and to go to the nations with you. It's such a joy and honor uh, to be here. Let's, uh, before, we, before we get started in uh, the scriptures, uh, I wanted to take some time to pray and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump right in, okay? So let's pray. Father, we need your help today. There's no way that the words on this page could could make it into our hearts and into our souls apart from your Holy Spirit. And so we ask, Lord, that you would do what only you can do. Not only, Lord, that you would make us hear your words, but that you would make us heed your words. That we would love what we hear that we would come face to face with your presence and that, Lord, we would leave out of here changed, not like we came, but more like Jesus. We thank you for all of these things and we ask them in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And all God's people said, amen. God is good. Oh, I got some Baptists here. God is good. And all the time. Uh, let, let, let's try it again so I can hear the Baptist in the back. God is good. And all the time. You know, it's, it's one thing to say that. And I know we've got our little you know, cheerleader rally things that we do uh, from time to time. We, we have these little catchphrases that we say on a regular basis. But, but can we be real? This is a safe place. Can we be real for just a moment? Have there been times when you haven't so much declared that statement as much as you've asked that statement, questioned that statement. So it doesn't come out as God is good all the time and all the time God is good. You've had some seasons, I'm just gonna guess, where you have said it more like God is good all the time and all the time. God is good? How many of y'all have had moments like that where it's, it's come out more like a question than like a declaration? God is good all the time and all the time God is good? 
Uh, perhaps you're feeling that as you're going through the semester. Uh, many of y'all are used to the, 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 the drill. You know how this goes as you go through the semester with all the excitement in the world at around August and September. Yeah, I'm going to study. Yeah, paradigms. Woo! You know, and you're all excited. And then about midway through the semester, you start going, who signed up for this? Whose idea was this? You know, I, I, did that tuition come out of my pocket uh, to do all this? I'm doing this willingly? You feel that, right? This is, this is what I'm supposed to do in order to go through ministry? And you start wondering, God is good all the time? And all the time God is good? Uh, maybe it's not so much a class thing, not what's going on in class. Maybe it's what's going on outside of class. Hey, the Lord's called me to ministry. I'm going to go to the ends of the earth to serve the Lord on the mission field. I'm going, to, I'm going to go and serve the Lord as a pastor. I'm going to go and serve the Lord as a counselor. I'm going to serve the Lord in women's ministry or youth ministry or children's ministry. Let's do this. And, and so you pack up your bags and you leave everything that you know to go to a seminary like here at Southeastern. And when you get here, you start recognizing that the classroom is not the only place where God wants to educate you. And now all of a sudden, outside of class, you're facing problem after problem after problem. You're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. You're trying to figure out, those of you who are young married, you're trying to figure out how to cook on the Easy Bake Oven in, in, in student housing. And, 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 and you're trying to figure out how you're going to live off of the, off of the pay that you get You know, uh, uh, here working a campus job. Or maybe you're wondering how in the world you're going to move your way up at Chick-fil-A or all of these different things that are going on in your life, and you're starting to wonder, is this the road? I mean, my parents told me that I should probably have something to fall back on, and I said, no, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and now I'm starting to wonder if maybe I should have had something to fall back on. Uh, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Maybe you thought serving the Lord would alleviate your uh, health issues. Surely, if I'm serving the Lord, I won't have to have these chronic health ailments. Surely, if I'm serving the Lord, uh, I could just drop into a community. You know, I, I don't care how hard they are, how broken they are, whatever. I'm going to preach the gospel, and I've heard the stories of missionary upon missionary upon missionary. I'm here following for the sake of revival. And you go in, and you realize that there are way more slammed doors than open doors. God is good all the time. There was a man by the name of Asaph. Asaph was a worship leader. <laughs> he was just like Daniel, coming up here, and, and, and he would have his guitar. He'd probably play a lyre. And, uh, and he would get up, and he would sing to the Lord, writing songs uh, for, the, for the praises of the people. And there's this one song that he has in the Scriptures where he wondered for just a moment, is God good all the time? The psalm that he writes is Psalm 73. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 73. And as he struggled, and we're going to see the struggles that he, that he went through here, we're going to see that he actually got to a point where he was starting to question his faith. 
But he gets to a point where he's able to declare, yes, God is good. And I want to declare to you, if you are going through that situation, if you're going through that season, or if you're heading into a season like that, I want to declare to you that God is good even on the struggle bus. <laughs> God is good even on the struggle bus. Look at 73, Psalm 73. Listen to the words of Asaph. He says, truly, God is good to Israel. You see, they, they did it back then, too. We didn't invent that as Baptists. They, they've been doing that all the way back in the Old Testament days. They would say, God is good, and the Israelite folks would say, all the time, and everything. And they even had that nice uh, uh, southern black African uh, uh, tone and tenor to it as well. They were wonderful. We're friends. Uh, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But then verse 2, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. We're so grateful that he could be candid and, 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 uh, and honest about this. But we could also uh, perhaps take a little bit from here before we get deep into this text to realize this is a song that they sang. This was in the hymnal of the Old Testament saints. They sang about their struggles. They sang about their hurts and, and their concerns. They sang about the pains and the doubts that they had. They didn't have to come in and put the mask on. They could be open and honest with one another because they realized that if they're going to be open and honest, the only place where they could be is in the community of God's people. So they says here, my feet almost slipped, my steps, uh, my feet almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. Why? Verse 3, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Not only was he on the struggle bus, if you will, not only was he going through his own personal uh, struggles and, and hardships and so on, but he was able to look over and he could see that there were some that weren't struggling like he was struggling. He was struggling as a follower of the Lord, but they were not following the Lord and they were prospering. I remember when I was going through a season like that, Annie and I were uh, young and wild and naive, <laughs> and, and we thought for a moment that we were going to go into seminary, and, you know, I was just going to get a job, you know, preaching somewhere. I could do pulpit supply and, 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 uh, and, and hopefully be able to make ends meet and everything, and that's not exactly how it, how it happened. Um, I've told several of my students in class uh, in semesters past that our first year of seminary, when we filed our taxes, we realized that we made that year $12,000. And that's $12,000 with me and Annie and little baby Joshua, who wasn't yet a year old when we entered into seminary. And then by that December, as we're standing in front of the National Christmas tree in D.C., my bride gave me a present. I opened up the present, and it was a, a positive pregnancy test, uh, to which I then said, uh, Lord, um, is, is there, can, can we get another gift? Um, maybe like money or something like that? We're crying out to you and saying, Lord, you know, we love, and we love our, our, our boy Noah and so on. He is a gift from the Lord, but, but and he's also right there. And, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> 
We, we also really could have loved a raise at that time, too, uh, working there at the uh, on-campus job, and, and we were just struggling. We were struggling, and I remember sitting there in our uh, campus housing, our little teeny living room, you know, the size of, of, a, of a closet, and, and we're watching on TV uh, some preachers. I'll, I'll leave them nameless, but I'm sure you can think of some of them, if I were to mention them, uh, who were not struggling. One was asking for a special offering so that he could get a Learjet. Uh, one was saying, hey, if you just buy this cloth, if you just buy this little handkerchief and everything, all your sorrows will, be, will, be, will go away. But, but just, you know, give a love offering, preferably, you know, nothing below $100. Um, and, and everything will be fine. God will bless you. Everything will be great. And I'm sitting there feeling some kind of way. Because I'm going, wait a second. I'm actually trying to rightly divide the word of truth. I'm actually trying to walk faithfully with God. They're not even trying. And here they are living in the lap of luxury. I was envious of the prosperity of the wicked. Why are they walking the red carpets? Why is everything going well for them? Why am I struggling? Well, Asaph will teach us in this first section that the prosperity of the wicked could unsettle our faith in God's goodness. The prosperity of the wicked could unsettle our faith in God's goodness. If you're not careful, you could look, just like Asaph did, you could look at the wicked and go, wait a second, I'm on the wrong bus. Listen to how he explains, how he uh, describes them. He says in verse 4, they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. Uh, he's talking there about their successes. He says, hey, look at their successes. They're, they're carefree. They don't have any problems, no struggles, no cares in the world. No, no they're, they're healthy. He says their bodies are fat and sleek. Look at verse 5. He says they're not stricken like the rest of mankind. He, he says in verse 6, they're ruthless. Look at that. In verse 6, therefore pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. In other words, they don't have any care in the world, and so they have no problem trampling on everybody else. Your problems are not their problems, so why should they care about you? Why should they care about the consequences of their actions on other people? They don't care about those things. And so they just blow through life and blow through the world, and they don't care about who is hurt along the way. They're ruthless like that. And then notice they're also excessive. Look at verse 6. He says, or verse 7, their, their eyes swell out through fatness. I don't know why. I always, every time I read this passage, I think about the little, the little squeezy uh, blowfish. You know, when you get the little fish and then you squeeze it and their eyes just bug out like that. And he says that's how it is with them. Their, their eyes swell out through fatness. In other words, they're so well fed. They've gorged themselves so much that there's no space in their, in their bodies for their eyes. And so their eyes I just kind of bug out, you know, when they're, when they're walking around. Their, their eyes swell through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They don't know where to stop. They don't know when to say no. They just live their life with excess and ease. That's how they roll. Look at their successes. Not a problem in the world. But also listen to their speech. Look what he says in verse 8. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. 
See that? They speak maliciously. They speak to kill. They speak to destroy. That's what they do. They set their mouths against the heavens, verse 9, and their tongue struts through the earth. Not only do they speak with malice, but they also speak with arrogance. They don't care about God. They don't care about, about anybody, any judge that they've got to stand before at the end of days. Their mouths go against the heavens. Their tongue struts their way through the earth. I, I, when I read this, I remember reminded of the old athlete, uh, and it's weird to say old, but yeah, I guess he is kind of old these days, but Terrell Owens, uh, that's for you, Dr. Pace, a little Terrell Owens reference. Terrell Owens, who, uh, who when he was back in the day playing for the 49ers, he was one of the best receivers in the league, possibly one of the greatest of all time. And here he was so full of himself, he was scored a touchdown, and he went from the end zone over to the sidelines, and as he's walking down the sidelines, a microphone caught him saying, I love me some me. And that was him. I love me some me. That's the wicked here. No offense to Terrell Owens, but that's the wicked here. They, they're strutting. Their mouths are strutting all through the earth. I love me some me. These are the wicked. You see in verse 10, therefore his people turn back to them. There's a debate over who whose people we're talking about here. I think here that he's talking about the people of God. In other words, they're living life so large, they're living life in charge, that God's people look at them and say, man, what would life be like if I lived like that? What would life be like if I, if I went that way? They're, they're not serving the Lord, and it doesn't seem like they're receiving any consequences for that. So maybe I'm going a little too fanatical following the Lord. Maybe I need to ease up a little bit. Maybe I've got to chill a little bit with my following the Lord. Therefore, his people turn back to them. Turn back tends to be used in context of apostasy. And they find no fault in them. It's literally the waters of a full cup are drained by them. Perhaps the waters that he's saying, that he's mentioning here, is used metaphorically to talk about their passion for the Lord being drained up. What's the use of following the Lord when these folks are so successful? And he says in verse 11, they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? In other words, they speak defiantly. God doesn't know me. God hasn't met anybody like me yet. There, there's no way that I could, you know, be in, you know, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the bad um, or in the judgment of God. There's no way that I could uh, be under God's wrath. Look at how wonderful things are going for me. And they defy the Almighty. Listen to their speech. By this time, Asaph starts looking at himself and he says, Am I on the right bus? Look at verse 12. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. Have you felt that before? What a waste. 
You know how much money I've, I've put into tuition? You know how much money I've put into books? You know how much money I've put into room and board? And this is what I have to show for it? You leave from here. There's no guarantee that you're going to get the, the big mega church position. Nobody's guaranteeing that to you. Chances are, just law of averages, you're probably going to be bivocational. You're probably going to be bivocational. You're probably going to be serving the Lord uh, in a place where you're going to have to figure out another source of income. Was it worth the time? Was it worth the tuition? Was it worth the study to be in a position that cannot sustain you for the rest of your life? You may go to a far uh, off land serving the Lord on the mission field. Nobody will remember your name. You may not have access to email and the internet. You are literally going off the grid. Is it worth it? They're not going to call you to come and speak at the conference. They're not going to call you to come and contribute to that best-selling book. They're, they're, they're not going to come. They're not going to ask you. You still want to be here? Still want to finish out the semester? Still want to finish that paper? Still want to study for that final? This is where Asaph is. Was this in vain? Am I going in the right direction? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? The prosperity of the wicked could unsettle our faith in God's goodness. God is good all the time. Well, if God is good, then why am I going through this? If God is good, then why am I struggling? If God is good, then why do I have to go month to month, to a paycheck to paycheck? If God is good, then why do I have to constantly wonder how we're going to make ends meet? If God is good, then why am I struggling? Interestingly, he says in verse 15, if I had said, I will speak thus. <laughs> I love it. That's his little disclaimer going, no, no, don't go crazy. I didn't actually say that. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking it. I didn't, I didn't actually say it. But he said, if I, if I said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. There's something that, that shifts in Asaph's mind. Asaph goes, I, I'm struggling my situation is not getting any better. And yet, as I'm going through this, I'm, I, I realize that I'm a part of a people and, and I can't say these types of things because I know something about the people that I gather with. I know something about their situations. I know something about their struggles. I know something about all the things that they have gone through and have made it to the other side. I know something about their testimonies that tell me don't you dare go there with your faith. 
Don't turn away from the God that has called you. Don't turn away from his promises. Don't turn away from his leading and so on. Why? Because there's a people over here that have walked through valleys just like you have walked through, and they have come out of there saying, God is good all the time. And so he says, I, I, need, I need to know where to go so that my faith can be uh, uh, secured and so on, just as theirs is. And look what he says in verse 16. He says, when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until, <laughs> until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. You see, the prosperity of the wicked could unsettle our faith in God's goodness. But let me tell you, the plan of God could resettle our faith in God's goodness. He goes right where he needs to go. He goes to church. And in the church, he hears the songs of the people singing and praising the Lord. He hears the testimonies of the people who have made it through the valley and come back outstanding. He hears the preaching of God's word of the Exodus and how God carried them through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. He heard all of these stories and he says, I'm able to make it through. I saw their end and now that I see their end, I'm not shaky like I used to be. Let me, let, me, let me go there a little bit further. Can I, can I put the car in park for just a moment? You see, because we have even more to the story. They had some of the story, but we've got a little bit more. You see, God in his grace not only delivered the people through Egypt and got them through the promised land, but God was walking them even beyond the promised land to a greater land, a land that would not just be flowing with milk and honey, but a land that was paved with gold streets, a land where they could walk and, uh, and not be afraid of, 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 right, of unrighteousness and injustice and chaos and all of that because in the kingdom of God, there will only be righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. They were walking that way. And it, why could they go that way? Because there was a Savior who laid down his life to make it happen. There was a God who walked through suffering much like our own, but even exponentially worse because he carried upon himself the wrath of God and because he held all of that and satisfied the punishment that we deserved, we all have an opportunity to go to the kingdom led by him as he marches on and we know that we're going to make it there to the end. We hear this story week in and week out, class after class after class, and as you struggle, hear that story, absorb that story and say, I trust that God is still good. And he is still able to get me through even the toughest of times and situations and scenarios that I may go through. Look at the end here. Look at the end of God's plan in this. Look first what he says about the wicked. Consider God's plan for the wicked. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment swept away utterly by terror. Notice, you make them fall to ruin. They're destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly. Look at verse 20. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. Note, there is coming a day where just like waking up from a dream, the wicked are going to wake up and realize that they are under the wrath of God. We should not be envious of the wicked. 
We should pity the wicked. Tremble, not because of their power, tremble that they are going to meet face-to-face the judge who is infinitely more powerful than they will ever be. Recognize that a day is coming when all of the wealth and the, and the creature comforts of this life will fade away and they will be left bare before the Almighty and they will face his just wrath. The condemnation is coming. Do not turn on the TV and look at the wicked and wonder, man, life would be so much better if I lived their life. No, no, no. You're only getting this much of the story. Look at the whole story, and you would never envy the wicked. Look at the whole story, and you realize that a day is coming when it's all going to burn up. A day is coming when it will all be found to be nothing. And they will live all of eternity alone, away from the presence of the Lord, as 2 Thessalonians teaches Consider the end of the wicked, but also consider your end. Look what he says in verse 21. He says, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and arrogant. I was like a beast toward you. That's his way of saying, (laughs) I was was tripping. Um, That's really what he's saying there in verse uh, 21 and 22. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. (laughs) I don't know what was going on. I was so out of my mind. Nevertheless, verse 23, I am continually with God you. They will be cut off, but I will be with you. I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will receive me to glory. Do you see what's going on here? When I look at at my current situation, and I see the struggles of this life, and I see the burdens that I carry and all of that, it looks like God is not good with me. But when I hear the testimony of the gospel, and I see the testimony being played out in life after life in the congregation, I'm now able to reassess my situation, and I realize as bad as it may be, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me, and he is with you. He is there sustaining you. He's the one holding you with his right hand. He's the one guiding you with his counsel. He's the one that will ultimately receive you to glory. He is with you, and because of the work of Christ, he is for you forever. You have a wonderful future. A wonderful future that completely overshadows the easy bake oven. A wonderful future that completely overshadows the thrift store clothes. A wonderful future that completely overshadows the busted up car that has to go in for repairs over and over again. We just went through that, so hold on, I just need to, I just need to speak this out. The, the, the car that breaks down over and over and over again and so on. And you look and you say, I can't afford to buy a new car or anything like that, so we're just going to have to ride this one into the sunset, you know, and so on. You may be in that situation, but here's the thing. As you look in that situation and you go through those struggles of life and struggles of ministry and the burdens that you carry, look and say, but this is heading towards a future that is greater than I could ever imagine. And nothing can take that away because God has given me his word. See, oh, the prosperity of the wicked could unsettle our faith in God's goodness, but the plan of God can resettle 
our faith in God's goodness. And where do we end? Oh, we end with some of the most glorious words in Scripture. We end recognizing that our portion in God settles our faith in his goodness. Look what he says, verse 25. (laughs) Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Here's a very simple equation for you. Okay? You could have everything, but without God, you have nothing. Here's another equation. You could have nothing, but with God you have everything. Everything minus God equals nothing. Nothing plus God equals everything. He says, whom have I in heaven but you, and on earth there is nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We can praise him. If he's your portion, you praise him because he is your treasure. And then lastly, we praise him because he is your shelter. Look what he says in verse 27. Behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Students, you're going to leave from here. And you're going to go wherever the Lord sends you. And I can't guarantee you that it's going to be a comfortable life. I actually can't guarantee that at all. It's probably going to be hard. It's probably going to have its share of burdens and struggles. That's where the Lord is sending you. That's not all of the news. Here's all of the news. You get to go on mission with him. And if you have him, then you've got a story to tell to all of your neighbors and all of the nations. They're going to look at you and they're going to wonder why you're still following this God and why you still have the audacity to say that he is good all the time and all the time he is good. And you can say, because I've realized That he and he alone can satisfy my heart. That he and he alone is my treasure. That he and he alone, he is the one, just like in the parable of the man who saw a field and he was so amazed by this field that he went and sold everything that he had. In fact, it says in his joy, he sold everything so that he could buy that field. He wanted that field. Why? Because he saw that what he had in that field was far greater than what he could have anywhere else. And he secured that field. The Lord said, the kingdom is like that. And you have the opportunity to demonstrate that in your life. Don't have all the creature comforts. I'm not living in the lap of luxury. Oh, but I am richer than I could ever be because I have the almighty God and he is the greatest treasure. And when you see that, when you are able to finally embrace that, then you will be able to say in every trial, 
in every circumstance, in every place. God is good. And all the time. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are so good. I'm sure, Lord, if we had an open mic in this room and we just took the time to talk about all the ways that you've shown your goodness in our lives, we'd be here till Jesus comes back. Lord, I pray that you would indeed provide times like that, times in the dorms, times in our living rooms, times in the church, where we can share with one another how good you have been. For you truly have been good. And it is good to be near you. Father, I pray that you would help us to stay focused. There are a lot of lures around. Trying to take us away from this path. and Trying to convince us that this is not the better way. But the better way is laced with luxury. May we not fall for it. May we not take the bait. This is the way. And if this way is marked with suffering, then it's worth it because you're good. <laughs> and what we have with you is better than anything that we could possibly have without you. So keep us, our dear Lord. Sustain us. And may we be able to say day in, day out, God is good. He's been so good to me. We thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.